0: And we understand that uh, King Hezekiah, being a young man, 25 years old, uh, had begun to reign over the uh, kingdom of Judah. And um, the Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Let me say this, he had a father who was known to be one of the most wicked kings uh, over the land of Judah. Do you see a great contrast in one generation... How that there was one of the most wicked kings that had ever been over the or been ruler over Judah, uh, to the very next generation being one that was right in the sight of the Lord. He wasn't an old man when he decided that he was going to be right with the Lord. He was a young man, and at 25 years of age, he set some things in order. You say, what could a 25-year-old possibly know about living? Well, I'd say he done a lot of living in them 25 years. If you go back and look in Second Chronicles chapter number 28 and all the things that happened to the land of Judah by the hand of the Lord uh, through Israel and through Syria uh, because of their negligence, if you will, to follow the Lord's guidelines because uh, King Ahaz would not honor the word of the Lord and what the Lord wanted out of the children of Israel or out of the, the Jew. But having said that, this young man at 25 years of age knows one thing, and that is we've got to honor God. God's got to be pleased. And I, I want to emphasize that, and I have been emphasizing that a great deal as of late. But we need to do one thing in this Christian life, and that is honor and please God. Nothing else matters. Amen. Nothing else at all. I'd love to be right with my dear brother Marvin. I'd love to be right with brother Shane. I'd love to, and not that there's anything wrong between us, or there's not a schism, but I'm saying it's not my goal when I wake up in the morning necessarily to make Brother Shane or Brother Marvin my number one priority in pleasing them, nor is it their number one priority to be pleasing me. But if we love the Lord, we can all get along if we're all pleasing the Lord. Amen? He is the one that we are to please. But there was a problem... Uh, Ahaz had nailed the doors shut on the house of God. And uh, we understand Hezekiah comes along. It's his turn to reign. And he opens the doors of the house of God. It's a place to start, right? He gets the Levites and the priests together. And uh, he says you need to sanctify yourselves. We need to cleanse the house of the Lord. we got to get the filthiness out. We understand as we go through Second Chronicles chapter number 29. When we get down to the end of the chapter in verse, 20, uh, verse 36... The Bible said, and Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people. So there was rejoicing, unified rejoicing, if you will, uh, and all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. Revival broke out in an instant because people were willing through a course of time and through a course of action to acknowledge primarily, number one, that there was filthiness that needed to be cleansed. You didn't get saved until you made an acknowledgment. You didn't get right with God till you acknowledged you had a problem. They spoke today, burying their head in the sand, ignoring their problem. We've got to preach on it. They've got to. They've got to acknowledge. You say, preacher, I don't know why you preach so hard or why you preach so mean. It's not that it's mean. It's that the the Bible will reveal to you your sin so that you can acknowledge it. The Lord is trying to get people to acknowledge their wrong so that they can get right. Our God, brother Shane, is a God of reconciliation. He stands with open arms, willing and ready just as the father did over in Luke chapter number 15 to the young man that had took his father's inheritance and went into a far country. Can I say father stood ready with open arms, even looked down the road, brother Shane, around the bend, waiting for the day that his boy would come back home with his hat in his hand and a humble heart and just be willing to be a servant. Notice that the father had a fatted calf and he was willing to give the fatted calf for the wayward one. That he'd come home. We ought to be that. that. We ought to be wanting them to come home, amen. But we gotta tell them the truth. And I'm sick and tired of preachers that won't tell the truth. I mean, these preachers that I love and care about and, and have known. And sometimes I just want you to know these things that folk won't deal with. We gotta deal with it, amen. We gotta open it up. God wants it to be acknowledged. Hezekiah wasn't concerned about hurt feelings. He was concerned about the feelings of God. Amen? And he knew that God, just as we heard in our devotion this morning from Brother Isaac as he was dealing with Nehemiah, that the Bible tells us that the Lord would fight for them. The Lord will fight for us if we're on his side. Amen? But if you're not on his side, you're on the side of the enemy. And the enemy fights against the Lord. Why would the Lord help us if we're his enemy? Amen? We're either fighting for the Lord or against him uh, tonight. And so... Having said that, we understand that revival uh, had broke out. Now I want to deal with this. Now let's go to chapter thirty and verse one. Read you a verse of scripture. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh. Now I want to pause for just a minute. Hezekiah was not a king over Israel and Judah combined. These, he is not king over the twelve tribes of Israel. There's already been a split between that of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And the the tribes have been split up. You've got Judah and Benjamin. Then you have the northern ten tribes as as we know Israel to be after the split. And Hezekiah was not king over Israel. He was not uh, heading up things from Samaria. He was king of Judah. But I want you to notice the letters that were being sent out. Now the house of God has been cleansed. And so Hezekiah calls the post office over at Maryville and says, Hey, I've got a million EDDMs I'd like to mail out and get out to every mailbox in the country to let them know that the house of God is open and it's been sanctified and the priests are clean and the Levites are clean and we're ready to do business down at the house of God, bring you sacrifices, come on, let's go. Or We're going to observe that at the Passover. Y'all come on, let's do what we ain't done in a while. The Passover had not been done in this manner uh, since the kingdom had split. So notice what happens, if you will. You say, I, and I, I recognize that sometimes when you preach hard and you preach straight, people do get a little frustrated. People do have a hard time taking straight preach head sometimes. They don't really like it. But I want you to notice the heart of this man who was putting it to them just like it was. Now we know that he went to the leaders first. We know that Hezekiah, as a king, went to the priests and the Levites and started there. And I would to God that leadership today in Baptist churches and every other church would get right with God in accordance to this King James Bible and preach it straight and give it just like right down the line. Amen. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. You can do it and still love folks. I don't believe that. Preaching like that's hateful. Preaching like that's mean. Preaching like that hurts my feelings. I want you to see the heart of Hezekiah. Look here at verse number 1, chapter 30. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second Month. Notice with me, if you will, what month we're talking about right here. The second month. Say, why is that important? Well, if you will, run over with me quickly to uh, Numbers uh, chapter number 9. Numbers chapter number 9. Let me show you something here quickly. Now, here's what I want to emphasize before we read Numbers chapter number 9. Hezekiah had a father who was wicked. Ahaz. We know that he was wicked. And Ahaz was one, as we'll find in 2 Chronicles chapter number 28, who fought with the king of Syria and the king of Israel. Now, you do recognize that before the, the, the tribes split, they were one People that had come out of Egyptian bondage by the hand of the Lord to the leadership of Moses, right? Now notice what happens is we have leadership fighting against leadership. Though so you understand that now now let me say this Israel did not succeed in overthrowing Jerusalem, but they did great damage to that of Judah under the king, under the reign of King Ahaz. There was a hundred and twenty thousand men who died in one day. By the hand of Israel. And so while you're holding in Numbers 9, go with me to 2 Chronicles twenty. I want to show you something before I move into Numbers chapter number 9 so that I can make all this hopefully come together and flow properly. Now, let me, let me emphasize something. Hezekiah is sending out letters to let the people know that the house of God is open. And we want you to come observe the Passover. Now, what's the Passover representing? The very first Passover, we understand, was back in Egypt when these uh, children of Israel, the Hebrews, were a a unified people. God brought his chosen people out of Egypt, right? And, And into, or was going into, the land that was promised unto them. But we see here that there's been a schism between the northern tribe and the southern tribe under the reign of Ahaz, Hezekiah's father. And there's fighting that has taken place. And there is, is, uh, there is things as such. I believe it's 2 Chronicles 28, uh, verses number 9. Let's go there. The Bible said in verse number 9, But a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded. And he went out before the host that came to Samaria and said unto them, Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand, and ye have slain them in a rage that reacheth up unto heaven. Judah was in the shape that it was in today because God was not being honored. You know why churches and families and homes are in the shape that they're in today. Because ultimately, God is not having the preeminence in the life, in the home, in the church. Amen? He's not priority number one. And so God has allowed Israel to fight against Judah, to use them as a, as a tool, if you will, to get the attention of the people of Judah and to get the attention of Ahaz. Unfortunately, Ahaz never got it together Ahaz was mesmerized by other gods and by other idols. And he never did get it together. And so I believe this is why that Hezekiah understood what happens to a family that doesn't follow the leadership of the Lord. Say, why would he follow the Lord? Well, he knew what Ahaz done wasn't working, amen? And let me say to you, for any uh, any, uh, wonder or concern you may have about following the Lord, what you're doing ain't working, amen? What's happening in the world today ain't working. If you're not following the Lord, I assure you, what you're doing is not working for the long term amen whatever lie the devil's telling you it'll come to fruition but but notice what's happening here for all the wicked things that ahaz done and for all the fighting that had been done in the previous administration hezekiah has realized we got to get things in order but he didn't get things in order brother shane just for judah he got things in order with everyone else in mind now he is not king over israel he has nothing to do with Samaria. But what has he done? He sent out letters to everyone abroad, even in regions that he wasn't rule over. You know what happens? we got a problem today with politics. we got a, we got a problem today with politics in religion. Politics was wearing Ahaz out. But there was no room for politics. There was no room for power. <laughs> Ahaz had a political problem and a power problem and he was a power hungry. But Hezekiah's not power hungry. He's offering the temple that's been opened up and cleansed by his authority for others who are under other authority and other, under other rule to be invited to come to God's house for the Passover. Now let me say this, or to God's house to make sacrifice. God's house was open. You will remember it was Jeroboam who had everything promised to him that was as good as David had had. But Jeroboam had a problem. He had some golden calves that he wanted to set up because he was afraid uh, that if, if uh, the children of Israel that was under his rule went down to God's house at Jerusalem, they might unite once again and these kingdoms may not be split and Jeroboam might lose his opportunity to rule and reign as it was. He had a power problem. He had a political issue. There's no room for power-hungry politics in God's house. It's not about me as has been stated and it's not about you, but it's all about Him. Now don't misunderstand me. I want to encourage those who are doing right. There's enough people trying to tear folk down. I want to encourage everyone that's doing right. Not that they're good, but that it's being recognized that their light is indeed shining. And so we encourage, we give flowers when we can on this side of eternity. But it's never to uplift man. But it's to encourage them to go on to bring glory and honor to God. For bringing glory and honor to God, God will fight for you. Amen? God will fight for you. And so here's what's interesting. For all of the wickedness that had come and all the schism that had come between the northern tribes and the southern tribe during the reign of Ahaz, Hezekiah comes on the scene. And what does he do? All he's interested in is letting people know the house of God is open. Come, let's observe the Passover together. Isn't that amazing that this man's heart, he preached hard, or he said it truthful. Let me put it that way. He told it right. He said it like it was. He demanded by his authority that it would be the right way. As we emphasized this morning, those who are in authority ought to take their authority and use it for the glory and for the honor of God. (laughs) I believe the, 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 the man in Washington that stands, sits in the Oval Office, he ought to use his power, Brother Shane, to push as much God agenda as possibly can. We ought to take our power as pastors, power as fathers and mothers and Sunday school teachers and employers. I can tell you of, of a man that owns a business that he has a a Bible study in his business. And I'm not talking about a little business, Brother Shane. I'm talking about a big business. And his men get together on a certain day of the week, and there's some pastors that this man knows that he will call, and they'll come down, and they will give a a little Bible study or really even a time of preaching to that business. And he's trying to honor God in his business. And because of that, I believe God has honored his business. Amen? Uh, and, and so I want you to understand and, and see that we ought to use our authority uh, for the Lord. But now notice with me what happens here in 2 Chronicles chapter 30. We see the man's heart. We see what, he- what Hezekiah is trying to do. He sent letters to all of Israel and Judah. But I want you to notice what happens. The Bible says here in verse 2, For the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priest had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Now you remember we read over in the previous chapter in verse 34 where the Bible said, But the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended and till the other priest Uh, had sanctified themselves for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priest. And so there was some other priest, Brother Shane, that couldn't get it together. There was some other priest that were lagging behind in getting themselves sanctified to be able to carry out the duties in which they were to carry out. I want to say this. Undoubtedly, Hezekiah wasn't going to let it slide. Because Hezekiah did not go ahead and observe the Passover At the time that it was given to the children of Israel in the days of Moses. Numbers 9 tells us that uh, the Passover, Brother Shane, was to be observed on the 14th day of the first month of the calendar. And what happens is, is they've passed that date. Now it was in that first month of his 25-year-old self that, that he was willing, in the first year of his reign, to get things in order. He was shooting for the stars, He was going to get it nailed down and get it in order and get it right because he had a goal in mind and that was to honor God. But I'll say this, it didn't happen in the time frame he wanted it to. But although it didn't happen in the time frame he wanted it to, he didn't compromise his stand. Oh, I love this. I love this because we, in a day where people are so uh, desirous of, of, of something that's effectual, Or so desirous of something that's happening. They want to see the reality of something. We want to see a move. We want to see something happen. They'll compromise to get it. They'll compromise to get it. Because they want what they want. And they're no more spiritual than my shoe. (coughs) But we don't have to make anything happen. Except please God. And then he makes everything else happen. Right? So let me say this. Was there revival in Judah? Absolutely. Was God's house open? Yes. Was it clean? Yes. Were the priests clean? Yes. Were the Levites clean? Yes. But there was some other priests who it took them a little longer to get it together. And I'm going to say this to you. We have got to make sure things are right. And if there's somebody lagging behind, listen, I'm not talking about starving the sheep to death while you preach your guts out to one individual among 50 that won't get right. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we don't skirt the issue and bite our lip and not say some things just to make sure they keep coming. If they cannot take the truth of the Scripture in love, then they just can't take it. But we're going to have a church where they either stay and get right or they get out because they can't take it. But they ain't going to sit on the pew every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, hear the Word of God and just let it go through one ear and out the other because the preacher won't say what the Bible says. Amen? What was, what was the key? Who did the king go to? He went to the leadership. He went to those who held a position. If you hold a position in this church, I'm telling you, I'm going to be hard on you to stay right. Now, you don't need a position in the church if you're not spiritual. And if you're spiritual, you ought to be mature enough to take Bible preaching. And if you can't take Bible preaching, then you don't need the position that you got. Amen? And so it's not a thing where the preacher's hateful, and he don't love you, and he don't want you to have a position. That's not it. It's about honoring God. It's not about honoring you. We ought to, every one of us, be willing to relinquish any position that we got upon the desire of the Lord to remove us. Amen. When the Lord tells me that I don't need to be standing here anymore, I'm going to do you harm and do you damage if I don't get out of this place. Amen. And that goes for all of us. Because ultimately, if the Lord's happy, what do we care what we're doing? I'll I, 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 mean, I'll be honest with you, I'd like to think that I was serious about making the Lord happy before I took the pasture. I don't have to pastor, Brother Shane, to make the Lord happy. If I sit in the pew and just be a good church member who's under the authority of a local Bible-believing church, so what? I can still serve God and God can still be happy and it doesn't matter what we used to do or what we're doing now or what we'll do in the future. It's about, is God happy with me? Well, I used to do this or I used to do that, well, but I don't know more. Who cares? Is God happy with your life as it stands right now? You might, be, you might have ambitions and you might have goals, but our ultimate goal ought to be, and no matter what season of life we're in or what God's called us to do in the moment, that we're just bringing glory and honor to God. My wife is a homemaker. She's not apologetic for that, nor am I. And uh, she's very busy, more busy than a lot of people are. Amen? Uh, but is she serving God in her capacity to her fullest ability... And trusting God to do with her what what she cannot do on her own. She can get a well done, thy good and faithful servant. She sure can. You can sit on the church pew and be a good witness and a good employee. And a a good person that loves the Bible and is faithful to God's house. And willing to do what God wants you to do in the capacity in which he can. And get a well done, thy good and faithful servant. Say, I don't know if I can or not. Paul did and Paul was in flesh and so are you. When I would do good, he said, evil is present with me. The things that I would not I do, the things I do that I would not. I mean, he had flesh just like you've got. Subject to like passions like the rest of us, amen. But he kept his eyes on the Lord. But there's a problem here. Hezekiah wasn't going to have compromise. Hezekiah was going to call it like it was, and it was either going to get right or it wasn't going to get done. We need to be honest again. Let me, let me pause just a moment. I want to read to you something—an excerpt. This Dr. Joe Wright prayed in front of the Kansas State Senate in January the twenty third, nineteen ninety six. Twenty six years ago, he prayed this prayer. He said, "Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness. Please listen. This is not in church." This is at the State Senate, on the floor. He said, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good. But that's exactly what we've done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and inverted our values. We confess that we have ridiculed uh, the, the absolute truth of your word and called it moral pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it an alternate lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We have re- re- rewarded laziness And called it welfare. We have killed our unborn. And called it choice. We have shot abortionists. And called it uh, justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children. And called it building esteem. We have abused power. And called it political savvy. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions. And called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography, and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Try us and see if there be some wicked way in us. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent here by the people of Kansas and who have been ordained by you to govern this great state. Grant them your wisdom to rule, and may their decisions direct us to the center of your will. I ask this in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Things were so quiet that day, you could have heard a pin drop on the Senate floor at the state of Kansas. But I'm going to tell you something today. That's truth. It's truth that's so astounding that when it's heard upon the ears, it's almost embarrassing, Brother Shane. It's almost breathtaking because we're so far removed from the truth that when the truth is finally told to us, we don't know if people can take it or not. People could take the truth if we tell the truth more often. Amen. If the truth wasn't something that was so um, unfamiliar and so foreign, it wouldn't do to us what it does to us. When we hear it, amen, we need the truth. Hezekiah was a man that was going to tell the truth, and he was expecting things to be right before he moved forward. Now, Numbers chapter number 9, there's a reason why uh, that they did not uh, observe the Passover in the first month, but in the second month, for they could not keep it at that time because the priests did not sanctify themselves sufficiently, neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. All right, so now listen. Let's look at uh, chapter 9, verse 1. Of numbers. The Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, and in the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. <coughs> in the fourteenth day of this month, what month? The first month, right? And even ye shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall ye keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month and even in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. So they observed the Passover, and you understand they observed the Passover on the very date that God had deemed ...that they were to observe in. He tells Moses, Moses as a leader, lets them know when it should be done. Why has Hezekiah not done it as the Lord has said to do it? There was a problem. The problem was that the Levites and the priests were not sanctified uh, as they should have been... ...or at least the priests, the other priests, a portion of the priests... ...were not sanctified as they should have been to carry out the offices in which had been given them... All right, And so notice he holds up and he waits. Now there is a clause in this same chapter, number 9, that tells us what to do when there's a problem. Let's read on. The Bible said here in verse number 6, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. Now notice God has said, I want the Passover observed. Now what is the Passover? A picture of the blood. The blood. We understand the Passover in the land of Egypt uh, was such as there was blood on the doorpost and the lintel, and the death angel come by. And what happened? The baby boy was salvaged because of the blood that was on the post, right? And on the lintel. Notice with me here that these individuals knew better than to observe the Passover knowing they had been defiled. Were they going against God's Word? Well, they knew they had a reason that they better hold up. They knew they had a reason that they better stop. Now, God doesn't punish them for not observing the Passover. As a matter of fact, God gives them an an exception to the rule because they were not in a place where they could do what God wanted them to do the way... That God wanted them to do it. So notice with me if you will. the Bible was in verse 6. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man. That they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him. We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Now notice. They're acknowledging what's wrong. They didn't lie. To Moses and Aaron. They said hey. We know God wants this. We also know our condition. And our condition isn't conducive to doing what God is expecting us to do in the capacity in which he's expecting us to do it. So look here, the Bible said here, And and those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel. They were concerned. Oh, I wish people would get concerned again that God has an expectation and you can't meet it because you're not right with God. What are we going to do, Moses? God wants this. But I can't because of this. God won't accept it because of the condition. Why can't people see that God's expecting something out of this, but He will not accept them in the condition in which they're in? Hold on, God's not just sitting up there willing to compromise and use you any old way you're willing to come. He's expecting you to be right with Him when you do what it is that He's called you to do. Now notice with me. The Bible said in verse 8, and Moses said unto them, stand still. Just stop. Just, just, just put on the brakes. Don't do anything. I better talk to God. You know what happens when you acknowledge what's going on in your life? When you're willing to deal with it, you better get still and go to the Lord. The Bible says this. It said in Moses said unto them, stand still and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying. Now notice this. Notice this. It was not just to the ones that were defiled. The Lord's making this clause, and He wants everybody of Israel to get the memo of His expectation on what to do. It's not just good for these men that have been defiled, but I want everybody to understand that I am a God of holiness. And if you're going to observe the Passover, you better be right. Notice this. The Bible says here, speak unto the children of Israel, verse 10, saying, If any man of you, of, your, uh, of you, or your posterity shall be unclean. That's offspring, by the way, by reason of a dead body. That was the issue here, right? They had touched a dead body. Alright? Or be in a journey afar off. In other words, be traveling on some form of business that keeps you from being able to observe the Passover. Now I do want to say this. He didn't say if you're sitting on the couch and didn't feel like going. He didn't say if you're just enjoying your recliner, you lazy boy so well uh, that you just didn't go down there and do what I expected you to do. He said if you're if you're off traveling, if you're on business, if you got something that's that's pressing and you're out of town, then we're gonna make we're gonna make we're gonna make an exception to the rule. But we're going to find here that people that just ignore it for the sake of ignoring it, mm, punishment's coming for them. Notice with me here what the Bible said. The Bible said, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. In other words, you're not excused from the Passover. The obligation to what I've called you to, Is still there. But I'm going to give you opportunity to accomplish it in a reasonable amount of time. Notice the Bible said here, the 14th day of the second month, and even when they shall keep it, and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Same day of the month, just a different month. He gives them a complete month to observe the Passover. Now I do want you to notice something. It took them how long? to cleanse the temple and to cleanse the courts over in 2 Chronicles chapter number 29 it took them 16 days 16 days however there was a group of priests that were lagging their feet and they wouldn't get sanctified but I will say this to you the Lord gives ample opportunity brother Shane 16 days to cleanse the temple and he gives them ample opportunity he gives them a month to observe the Passover now watch this The Bible says in verse 11, the 14th day of the second month, at even they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Another opportunity has been given and ample time to do it in. They shall leave none of it under the morning nor break any bone of it according to all the ordinances of the Passover. They shall keep it. Now, consider this in, in light of the church for just a moment and God's expectation on us as his children. Does God not give us ample opportunity to do what He's called us to do? I understand that every one of us has things that come up. I've had children that have been sick. I've had a wife that's been sick. And and I've been sick. Listen, there are things that come up. I understand that. But it doesn't excuse you from serving the Lord. The Lord still expected the Passover to be observed. But I'll say this. he He was not coming down on these men About observing the Passover in their defiled state. So let me say this. Hezekiah is being God-honoring by holding off on the Passover until the people were right with him. Amen. You know what we're going to do? We're going to hold up and hold on. We're going to make sure that we do what Hezekiah done and things are clean and things are right down at God's house amongst God's people because we want him to be honored magnified and glorified and he'll provide the rest amen he'll fight for us just like he did in nehemiah chapter number four notice with me if you will though the bible says here but that man in verse 13 that is clean uh uh-oh now notice this and is not in a journey now i want you to notice the issue is not a dead body Now when we see the dead body, because there was, the Bible said in verse 6, there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body. We're seeing a dead body. We're seeing the room. But we're missing the point. We see a dead body and all we think is, well, anybody that touches a dead body can observe the Passover. It's not that it was a dead body. It was that the dead body caused them to be unclean. There was no issue in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 about dead bodies. There was an issue with some priests that were not clean. Hezekiah didn't hold off because of a dead body. He held off because of some unclean priest. You understand what I'm saying? The issue is not dead bodies today. The issue is our cleanliness. Where we stand with God. And and the Bible does say be ye holy, amen, for I am holy. How would you get saved? The blood. What's the Passover? The blood. But you had to repent, right? Acknowledge. Call upon the Lord. The Lord washed you in His own blood, right? How you get right with God. How you get clean. You've never been more clean than you were than the day you got up from the altar or just been saved by the marvelous grace of God. And you've never felt better either. <coughs> and it ain't about a feeling, but there is a, there is a sense of the burden being gone. Verse 13. So let me say this. The Lord's not willing to compromise holiness to observe the Passover. Amen? So if you're not right, get right, then still fulfill the duty. You're not excused from the duty God's called you to because of your sin. God's not expecting you to quit. He's expecting you to get your sin fixed. Amen? If you won't get your sin fixed, then you need to quit. You need to get get out, out from under whatever it is that you're doing. But the Bible says, but that man that is clean. Now the Lord has dealt with Moses about the children of Israel on this exception. But while he's at it. He's wanting the congregation who's fixing to get this, this exception to the rule to understand that this is, not, uh, this is not an opportunity for you to not do what I've called you to do. Because God knows man, right? And anytime man gets an opportunity, man is a type of individual that will cut corners if you're not careful. People have been cutting corners down at the house of God so long, brother Shane. They've got into the quick. Amen? Uh, so the Bible said, but the man that is clean and is not in a journey. And forbeareth to keep the Passover. Even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Now here's what's interesting to me. We get, hmm, listen to me. We come down on sinners. Because sinners need to get right. Because if sinners got right, Brother Marvin, God could use them. But God has a bigger problem than sinners that are unclean. God has an issue with those that are clean, that have the opportunity, that God has given them something they can do. They do sit on a pew three times a week. They do have an ability for God to use them in a capacity, but they're not available. They're not available. They're here, but they won't do. They're here. They, they hear the word of God. They know that God could use them in a capacity. There's opportunity for God to use them in a certain capacity. But they will not give God what he wants out of their life. Those are the ones that are in trouble. See, God will not put up with sin forever. But God is repeatedly sending the message and he's sending the warning and he's letting it be known to those that are wavering. You need to get right. You need to get right. We're not going to put you in official position because we can't use you in official position because you're not right. We got folk in our church that could be used in certain capacities, in certain ways, but sometimes we can't use them because of what? Because of sin. But what about those that we have in our church that can do something, but won't do anything, that have the opportunity to, but sit here and soak up the good word of God three times a week, and will not give God what God has given them say, Preacher, that hurts. Don't it, though? I mean, that that actually hurts worse than what I (laughs) preached on this morning. You know why? Because what I preached on this morning may not have affected most of you. What I'm preaching on right now could really affect all of us. Because we all got things we could do. But we have that, well, but Lord attitude sometimes. I'm just not adequate. Neither was Moses. Oh, Moses couldn't speak right. Wasn't eloquent of speech. God said, listen, I've made those that can hear, and I've made those that are deaf. I've made those that can see, and I've made those that are blind. I'll use you how I want to use you, when I want to use you, and you just need to do what I ask you to do. Man, it is quiet in here tonight. (laughs) But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he brought not the offering of the Lord... In his appointed season, that that man shall bear us. And he has no excuse for not serving in the capacity that the Lord has called him to serve. There's folk that cannot do what God would like for them to do because they're not right with God. But there's some that are trying to live right. There's some that have some faith. There's some that have some conviction. There's some that are faithful. But there's things in their life that they say, God, I just won't give you this part of me. I'm going to tell you something. You're the one that don't have much time. Amen. That's right. You're the one that don't have no excuse. You are the one, the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is required. When Jesus was going up Calvary, Brother Marvin, and he was about to peak the top of the hill, he didn't say, Brother Shane, that I think I've had all I want. They're just not worth it. But if God has given you the ability to do something, or God has called you into something, or God wants to use you in a certain way, and you won't, you won't, you won't do it, you won't give him what he's wanting. You are essentially saying in not so many words, God, Christ, you're not worth it. And you know what that is, don't you? That is not putting God first in your life. Well, but he's first in every other area. Any area that God's not first, God's the same as not first in any area. God wants all of us. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me gave himself fully for me. There was no portion of Christ that was left out of the equation when he gave himself for you. What scares me is, is we, we pray and we cry and we weep over the ones that will come once a week or once every two weeks that don't want to get serious and we know their homes are in shambles and we amen when the preacher preaches, but is there anything in your life that you could offer to God that God has given you the ability to do, but because of some reason or another, you will not give God that part of you. You are the one that's in danger tonight. And if God is not honored in your life, God can take away from you things that you will wish you had given yourself to God fully. I don't want there to be anything in my life that I could give God, that I would not give God, that could affect my wife or my children or my home or my church. If my home isn't cleaned by the shame... There's a portion of Landmark Baptist Tabernacle that is not clean. He told in 2nd Chronicles 29 to them Levites and priests, he said, Sanctify yourselves. Then sanctify the house of the Lord. We can't clean this place until every one of us is where God wants us to be. Listen, I know the sinner that comes and sits down in our midst and in the pew that doesn't know Christ. They're not a member of our church. They're not a member of the body of Christ. They're our guests. They're not our member. But to the members of Landmark Baptist Tabernacle, we're going to have to preach it like it is. I wouldn't wouldn't be mean to somebody that come in here uh, off the street. But i tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to preach to the members of our church some things about holy living and standards in 2022, whether it's popular or whether it's not, because it's the only thing, friend, that's going to get us cleaned up to where God can use us to reach them that come in here and sit down in these pews. Wouldn't it be good to have about 10 or 12 families show up lost and undone, doesn't know Jesus and the free pardon of sin, and you and I be cleaned up in the house of God, have the filthiness out of it, and us be sincere about the glory and honor of God and watch them get saved and discipled and grow up in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior and do it all over again? That's what this is about. Say, so well, we ain't seen that in a while. You know where we start? Cleansing ourselves. Notice this, the Bible said, but if the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbear to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you, I want you to notice this. Let me change gears this second. We're going to close. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you and will keep the Passover under the Lord, according to the ordinance, of the Passover. What is an ordinance? An ordinance is a rule established by authority. It is permanent. Notice this. The Bible said, according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. You know what that means? That means that you didn't have to be a Hebrew to observe the Passover. Now, the blood that was put on the doorpost and the lintel in Egypt was for the Hebrew. But as it's observed, it can be observed by others that are not Hebrew if they're willing to follow the ordinance given by God. In other words, it was as good for those that weren't Hebrew as it was for those that were Hebrew if they were willing to take the ordinance as God had given He didn't change the ordinance for those that weren't Hebrew. He didn't separate it and you do it this way and you do it another way. But the blood that was shed was as good for the Gentile as it was for the Jew. And all the way back in the days of Moses when they would come out of Egypt, headed into the promised land, the blood was going to be as good for everyone then as it is today. People want to talk about dispensations and act like that the Old Testament folk didn't look to the cross of Calvary and the shed blood. Yes, they did. (coughs) They did. I don't care what Peter Ruckman said or nobody else. They did. The blood has been the theme all through the Scripture. All the way back then, if there was a sojourner traveling through who was willing to follow the ordinance of God, he could observe the Passover just like the Jew. You know what we're all trying to do here? We're wanting everybody to have an opportunity to accept Christ and have the blood applied to them that they might be saved. We got some in our church that won't do because they can't do because they got sin in their life. We got some that could be used but won't be used because there's things that God has given them ability to do, but they won't do it for whatever reason. And guess what? You're as much as in trouble as a sinner that won't get right with God. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm done. Sister, come to the piano, if you will, please find us a a song of invitation. Brother Marvin, kill the live stream, please. If you need to do business with God tonight, I want you to do it. I don't know the need. I don't know your heart. We need God's help, and we got to clean our lives up